overseers are more reactive than proactive. Overseers are not trying to tell every different house gathering how they should, uh, how they should look, what they should do. They're not in there directing them. Um, they, are, they are aware of what's going on, and if they're concerned or if somebody brings a concern to them, they will react in an appropriate way. Welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast, where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. So today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called A House for Community, where we provide households with personal coaching for how to build a community and turn your home into a hub for community relationships. So if you're interested in learning more about A Thousand Houses or checking out some of our other resources, visit 1kh.org. Let's jump into today's episode. Some people, when they hear about even the idea of house church, the first word that comes to mind is heresy. Like if you let people just go and start their own little groups, they're somewhat autonomous, they are going to come up with crazy ideas and this is going to be a constant problem. You're going to be stomping off one heresy after another. And while I understand where the, the concern comes from, there are ways that the scriptures give us for how to handle this problem. And we need to talk about this uh, very seriously, as you guys are beginning to look at uh, launching a community, may already be le leading a community, how do we hold a hosting household accountable? What is the way that this is designed and described and prescribed in the New Testament? So first of all, it's important to understand that in the New Testament, there were lots of house churches and there was also lots of heresy. So this problem or this question is well-founded. Uh, but that problem doesn't go away because it's not created by the fact that there are people gathering in houses. It's created because there's a lot of fallen people, and Paul talks about this in, even in the, in the Ephesian church. He says to the elders of Ephesus in Acts 20 that some of you wolves will emerge from this very group of people. Unfortunately, we have an enemy. There are people that ha are, are able to really give in to some of their worst impulses, and they will begin to twist truths in order to get followers to come after them as individuals uh, or for other reasons to really indulge their own flesh. This is a problem. It will not go away on this side of, of, uh, of heaven, and so we need to be aware of, of how to combat this at the level that we're talking about while we begin to uh, see these communities emerge. So there, there's obviously a lot of this. And like I said, in the New Testament, the, the books, as the New Testament uh, continued, the epistles became uh, more and more written against heresies. And so one of the things that theologians began to recognize is that even in the first 50 years of the church, um, the, the, the occurrence of various heretical teachings that were really not in line with the gospel was increasing. And so this is a, a constant issue. And, and it's an issue not just in, of course, house churches, it's an it's a issue everywhere. Now that we live in a day and age in which there's a lot of freedom, and we're thankful for that, we're glad that there's not state-sponsored churches that are coming down 
with violence like they did in the Middle Ages on people that had different teachings. Um, there's just going to be a lot of people who are going to be wolves who are going to get a lot of traction. And that happens all over the place. We have lots and lots of those kinds of things happening. And so what does the New Testament say that we can do to protect ourselves? What can you do? What should I do? What can we encourage? And so I'm going to tell you guys what we do uh, in our network to really encourage people to make sure that they are living a life of accountability. So first of all, it's important to understand that we all should be in submission. The Bible says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that none of us are above being held accountable by others. And so we want to create an environment in which accountability is, is expected, where accountability is embraced, where it's encouraged. Uh, we just need to figure out a way that it is appropriate for the kinds of the kind of uh, church blueprint that we're describing here. And fortunately, because we're using a type of church blueprint that is, is really the, the same one that was happening um, for the most part in the first century, that the, all the scriptures, what the scriptures say about how to hold um, uh, households accountable really apply to us. And so you see that the basic design that Paul had was for there to be a group of overseers. In 1 Timothy and in Titus, he describes this in a lot of detail. And it's interesting, the word overseer, and it's translated that in a lot of the newer translations because it's really specifically that that's what the word actually means. And and really it's talking, I think that is really important to sort of notice about that word is that this is not executive leadership. A lot of times we might think about this as a board of directors or you know, a group of people who are actually the visionary leaders of what's happening. But but overseers really connotate something different. It really says, hey, I'm 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 watching, but I'm not I'm not directing everything. I'm not leading everything. Um, there are other leaders. I'm making sure that what happens is is in in good order and that nothing really way out of bounds occurs. That's kind of what oversight looks like. And, and so that's a really appropriate word. And the way that uh, the qualifications that Paul really lays out for an overseer is someone who is a, a father of a, a family that has a lot of good order in it. And so what Paul basically describes as an overseer, somebody who's, whose family is in good order, their household's in good order, their children are in good order, um, because this, this is a fathering role. The way that you make sure that you are a good father is you don't uh, direct your children in in really specific ways, right? You want to make sure that they are you create an environment of peace and of health and of love. And in that environment, you want to see your children flourish and begin to work together. But you don't want that to be done in a very uh, sort of a dictator-like fashion. And so, so all of the things that you're doing to mature a family are all the skills that you're really beginning to develop in order for you to be a good overseer. And so when you look at somebody's kids, especially their adult children, and you're like, wow, there, there seems to be that very appropriate sort of level of love and connection they have with their dad, but also this level of autonomy and freedom they have. Um, and, and his multiple children just seem to be flourishing under, under his leadership. That's, that's who you want to have as an overseer because those are exactly the skills that you want to have overseeing the church. And so that's kind of the way that, that Paul has described them. By the way, um, I, I believe basically Paul is using and is familiar with a, a model that was very, very common in the first century um, and is even common today in, in ancient cultures. And that is um, the elders at the gate sort of picture. If you want to read about this, read the last chapter of the book of Ruth. It's an incredible picture of what the elders at the gate were like. And so what you had were people that, you know, were the grandfathers of the, of the village and they were sitting there at the gate and they were really overseeing what was coming in, what was going out. They were overseeing sort of a lot of the sort of um, governance kind of issues that were happening in the village. They weren't directing the village. They weren't going from house to house telling each father um, how 
how they should lead their family. They were overseeing. And so that's kind of the, the, the way that, that this looks. Um, now, one of the problems, one of the tensions that we have is that oftentimes this sort of board of elders or board of overseers that we see in, in institutional churches, they are more like a board of directors and they are like uh, a group of village elders. They are trying to lead an institution or an organization in, in a vision capacity oftentimes. Um, and so that's, again, not quite the model. And so that can oftentimes cause us to be confused about what this is. And one way to think about that is overseers are more reactive than proactive. Overseers are not trying to tell every different house gathering how they should, uh, how they should look, what they should do. They're not in there directing them. Um, they, are, they are aware of what's going on, and if they're concerned or if somebody brings a concern to them, they will react in an appropriate way. So if you wanted to gather overseers today, what do you do? And this is actually really confusing. Um, this has been a huge challenge for us because we don't have uh, city elders anymore. Uh, we don't have village elders. We don't, we don't even recognize city fathers and understand their uh, unique role in a city context or in a spiritual context. And so this can be something that we have to kind of piece together. Now, the goal is, and what I would love to say, is that someday it's going to be clear to thousands of believers in the city, across the city, that these are the city elders, these are the city fathers. We understand that they have led flourishing families and ministries, and so we trust them, and we are very happy to submit to them as a group. Uh, and if there's anything that I'm teaching or anything that I'm doing that, that they are concerned about, then I would very gladly submit to them. That's the ideal, and that's what Paul was trying to create, and that's why when Paul would plant churches, he wouldn't immediately decide who the overseers were. He would leave the church, let it mature for several years, come back, and then he'd begin to recognize who those fathers were. And so that's really what we're encouraging uh, to ultimately happen. But in the meantime, what do you do? How, do? how are you held accountable? And so there's a basic thing that I think we can do in the meantime to make sure that we're not uh, kind of going rogue and that we are making sure that, that we're also protected. The enemy is, you know, we need to be humble and say, like, the enemy is constantly trying to, you know, work on our flesh and cause us to uh, teach things or go in directions that are not in line with the gospel uh, because that's what the enemy wants to do. He's trying to disrupt what we're trying to create, and so we're an obvious target. So we need to really uh, submit ourselves to some overseers in order to be careful of this. So first step is, and this is kind of how um, we've walked through it, make a list of um, at least three spiritual fathers. And if, if they are recognized widely in the city, that, that would be ideal. If not, are there spiritual fathers in your life that really know you, love you, trust you, understand you, and that you would trust if they told you, hey, cut that out, or that's not a good thing. So you want to make sure that you have a list. Um, and so we've made a list of like, okay, here are three spiritual fathers in my life that I trust. Um, and and so, uh, and, and the, 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 the idea is I would submit to them and I trust them at that level. Number two, ask them if they would function as overseers in your life and that they would speak into your life. And if someone were to be concerned um, about something you're doing, that they would be willing to get involved, that they would be willing to start an investigation, that you would want that. You would say, please investigate this. Like somebody's really struggling with something I'm teaching. You know, I could be wrong. Maybe they're right. Like, please dig into this and, and let me know. Number three, tell them that you will submit to any decision made in, in unity that the three of them would reach. And so you need to tell them, and part of what this is, is you say, I will, I will reflexively submit to anything that you guys say. Um, I, I believe that I can be misled, and, uh, and so I want, you to, I want you to speak into my life in that way. And so if the three of you agree on anything, then, and, and I disagree, I will submit to that. 
And number four, make this list known to your community, to those who are discipling, to those who are under your care. Let them know that, look, it, you know, the protection, there's layers of protection for you. It's not, it doesn't end with me, right? I've got people above me that I will submit to. Here are their names, here are their phone numbers, here, here are their email addresses. Um, do not hesitate to reach out to them if you feel like I'm off in some way. You know, if we're having a hard time and we're disagreeing, we're button heads, and you think what I'm teaching is kind of dangerous, let them know. Please uh, do, um, do the kingdom a service and make sure that, that you are protected and the body is protected. This also, by the way, really helps resolve um, issues that are totally unfair to you. Sometimes you'll have somebody who, um, who is being carried away by their flesh and they're getting very bitter and angry for reasons that have nothing to do with you but have to do with the gospel, have to do with you know, uh, things that are changing in their own life. And so if they are spreading rumors about you, just say, hey, what are you doing? Like, please just talk to these spiritual fathers. I, I am in submission to them. So remember, if you only submit to this group when you agree with them, that's not submission, that's just agreement. And so this only becomes submission when you disagree with that group of three or more people that are uh, over you in that way. And so it's really important for you to prepare your heart for that. And, and so I think just even saying, I reflexively submit to these three and anything they agree on, that will protect you, that will protect uh, those who you are trying to minister to. Um, and so that's a really, really powerful way uh, to, to go forward. So has anybody come to mind as I've been describing this? Um, could you make a list of some of these sort of spiritual fathers in your life who you could, um, who you could say, hey, we want to submit to them? Um, and so if you know three, that would be great. We really encourage you to be proactive in this area. Um, this is an area that, especially as you begin to see a community cohere around your household, will become more and more important. And so this is something we want to talk to you guys about as well. By the way, at, for us at 1KH, we would like to know who that list is. We just want to understand, um, as we're associating with you in, in the ways of trying to coach and, and encourage you and being community with you at the coaching level, um, we need to know who you're in submission to. And so please let, uh, let us know who, the, who those people are. Let the people that you're leading know um, who those people are. And, uh, and so really begin to, to create these layers of protection that are described in the New Testament, and we are hoping for the day when this will become a lot clearer to everyone um, who those sort of city elders or city overseers are. But until then, this, I think, is a really helpful step to get us there. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you and your family are sensing any kind of calling or a pool to maybe go down this path in community, We'd love to be a resource to you as you explore this. So if that's you, we want to invite you to join our coaching intensive called A House for Community, where we're going to combine online content and personal coaching for you to provide you with the teaching and the tools and definitely the encouragement that you're going to need to see your home become a house for healthy kingdom relationships. For more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org slash community coaching. We'll see you guys for the next episode.